All right, guys. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the Loopcast. Today, it's just me and Josh, the boys chopping it up on our consecration to St. Joseph journey. Josh, how are you doing today? Um, not going to lie to you. Uh, it's been kind of a kind of a crazy week. And meditation and prayer is a good way to get back on track. Um, but, you know, there are weeks in which you're just like, yeah, life is great. <laughs> um, yesterday was awesome because we're recording this. Uh, yesterday was Leap Day, which is my daughter. She had a birthday. She didn't have a birthday except every four years. So that was kind of cool. That was a big celebration. But with, other than that, you know, hey, the Christian faith, you know, we, we think it's the answer for everybody. But that doesn't mean it's suddenly rainbows and sunshine and every day is, you know, like unicorns dancing and stuff and everything's great. I mean... It's, there's days and weeks where it can be kind of a slog. And uh, this week has just been, it's been a journey. Yeah. Well, Joe and Rogan. That's okay. Thinks, Joe Rogan thinks Jesus is the answer now too, which was a fun call. Yeah, that was cool. That was, yeah. Uh, so, so I got a lot of thoughts and I, I'm, I'm just going to rip if you will permit me. Do you know about the Holy house? Did you know about the Holy house? The Holy house of Loretto? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, First of all, my wife's name is Lori, which is named, you know, so Loretto, that's her patroness. Okay. Uh, I'm very familiar with the, this story, but you go ahead and cook, man. Dude, I dude I, I was like, I never even thought once about, I was like, yeah, probably the place where Jesus, well, first off, the cool thing about this whole thing is it's very humanizing to Joseph because a few areas, and I'm, I want to get into the age. This is thing. the house where the Holy Family lived in. This is the house where the Holy Family grew up in. And so I was, I never thought about like the practical day to days, or maybe I have of just like, okay, they were a family. They lived in a home. This home was in Nazareth and, uh, it's gone apparently. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like I had an epiphany, uh, reading through this. No one in Nazareth one. claims, Hey, this is the house where they lived in. And the reason why they don't do that is because it's gone. It's in Loretto now. So, so there's, there's I mean, few... you're, you're, you're slow rolling and people don't know where Loretto is like Loretto, oh. Italy. As yes, in like, like <laughs> as in not Nazareth, as in not the like Middle Jesus East. dispatched <laughs> angels to lift this house up off the ground and moved it once and then twice apparently, and now it resides on in on the eastern seaboard of Italy, dude. So and that's what we, that's what we lots got. Lots of bit, about. lots of popes have come to go visit and pray there, and bro, uh, the, Pope Francis the is insane. Look at the it's like Saint Ignatius of Loyola, Saint Francis Xavier, Saint Francis Borgia. It's like twenty Saint jo Pope John Paul the uh, second, Saint Pope John. The 23rd, uh, St. Jose Maria Escriva, St. Maximilian Colby. I mean, the list goes on and on. And tons of popes, too. Right? Tons of popes. Including... And they they also, two of them miraculously healed, right? Right, 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 right. Crazy. But and Pope I Francis added it to the universal calendar. So, Josh, let me stop you. It didn't go straight to Loretto, to your wife's uh, namesake. It went to my ethnic homeland, Croatia. So, it, it made right. a stop in Trasat. Little pit uh, stop. I please don't murder me any Croatians listening to this, but Tersat. Uh, my last name is Pogasic, so I have some claim to this. But I was, uh, it, it wasn't at the time, I think it was known as like Illyria or Dalmatia, but it's modern day Croatia. And it, so the Holy House was lifted by angels, and there was this vision given to Anne Catherine Emmerich uh, saying that she saw angels lifting it because in Nazareth, there's still the foundation, but there's no house obviously house. so they're just yeah. looking is gone it was done so quickly that it was impossible for someone to have done that especially at the time 
um, that this was done. I think uh, I'm seeing 1291. Right. Um, so there's no like, you know, oil tankers or whatever to pick up <laughs> the desert out to go to uh, Croatia. But it was all because they wanted to, you know, apparently um, heaven wanted to make sure that um, um, people in the whole Holy Land, like Muslims, would not destroy it. Um, okay. And also. Okay, so not just, but the timing on it was uh, very precise. So the house was moved in 1291. And then in 1294, the entire town of Nazareth was sacked by invading Muslims. So the house would have been completely destroyed. Like. How did I not know about this? This is so crazy. Wait, wait, three years. That's th interesting. Three Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mary, <laughs> Joseph, and Jesus. Dude, crazy talk, crazy talk. So it goes to Croatia, and even like Saint John Henry Newman, goat, an American American goat, was talking about like the believability of this. Basically, and he said. Pretty believable to me. Uh, St. Augustine leaves Hippo. The prophet Samuel and St. Stephen leave Jerusalem. The crib which our Lord lay leaves Bethlehem with St. Jerome. The cross is dug out. St. Athanasius goes to Venice. In short, I feel no difficulty in believing it. Um, so the funny thing was it goes to Trask and then all of a sudden just gone, right? Then uh, people in Croatia are like, uh, what the heck? It's gone. Thank you for blessing us. And of course, that's actually a... Um, they built a site around it in Croatia. Like people still go to that site. So Where it, makes, it was once for a while, right? Right. And it didn't, it didn't stop from Trasat to Loretto. It made another stop actually in, it started with a P another place in Italy and it landed on a hill and that hill was owned by two brothers. And apparently the two brothers were just extorting people, uh, I think it's Pacino, Pacino, not exactly how to uh, pronounce that. And they were extorting locals to be able to see this place. And so, and then I think in a couple months, God was like, nope, we're going to pick that up and move it somewhere else. Moved it to Loretto. Crazy. but No problem since. No problem since. And uh, the Catholic Church sent uh, uh, scientists to uh, each of the locations to measure uh, the imprints that it left and to make sure everything matched up. Sure enough, everything matches up. Uh, even as far as the mortar and stones used in the home that's currently in Loretto, those are all localized to Nazareth. So yeah, first century Palestine, dude, exactly. Yeah. How, how <laughs> I never knew about this. It was like that was a that was a treat going over that this morning. It was like so. Crazy. I mean, if you believe a man can be risen from the dead, moving a house like this is not that big of a deal. But it is yeah. kind of cool. So cool. So that was that was a cool start to the day. But um, other elements of this week's reflections that i thought were really, really interesting and i'm curious how you kind of thought about this whenever saint joseph is portrayed he's given a really long beard and looks very mature let's put it that way sometimes like a very old man is how he's portrayed and uh Fulton right. Sheen had a really amazing reflection about how he actually believes it's more likely that and there's no way to verify this but it's more likely that saint joseph was a young man when he was uh betrothed to mary Exactly. Allow me to interrupt for a second. Please do. So the artists would would often portray Joseph looking more like me, a man in his mid forties, as opposed to someone like you, who's like in his mid twenties. And the rationale behind this for so many years was that they wanted, because remember, there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, wait a minute now," you know. Okay, Jesus was the Son of God, but then certainly there was other potential children that they had, and you know, and and Catholics are like, no, 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 no. So artists would try to say, 
how can we make sure everyone understands that we believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary, that they never had relations between each other as man and woman, sexual relations, Joseph and Mary. So in art, what we'll do is we'll just have Joseph look like a, almost like he's grandpa, like he's the 55-year-old guy who's, and, and so then everyone would look at it and go, here's this 55-year-old guy and this young, you know, 15-year-old Mary, and everyone will get the idea that he's just, God's, God's having him as a caretaker to watch over him, and that there's not going to be any of this stuff, and, and that's how we can kind of emphasize that there'll be the sanctity and perpetual virginity of Mary. And actually, the thing is, I don't think that's a good idea. And 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 Father Calloway gets into this into the book. I think maybe you're getting that with Fulton Sheen. Like, actually, it's a greater sacrifice, right? I mean, if somehow God had, I was not called to the married state at this point, which I am, obviously. I'm married and I have six kids or whatever. And God said, I want you to be married to this uh, woman and, you know, like Joseph was. And if I'm 50 or 60 and she's like 15, it's like, well, okay, you know, I can protect your sanctity and I'll kind of watch over her like a wood, like a kid. It's not, it's, not, it's, it's not too hard of a sacrifice if you've been celibate for 55 years to stick with it for another how many ever years. How much greater of a sacrifice is it for Joseph if he's a young, handsome man in like 20 some years old and God's like, I want you to protect Mary, but also to maintain her dignity and sanctity and remain chaste and not to have relations with her like a man or woman normally do. Yeah. And That's a greater only, sacrifice and we shouldn't shy from it. No, and not only that, uh, they talk about Joseph being like a very uh, serious worker. Like he, he worked a very physical demanding job as a carpenter. He taught Jesus all of these things. And like people have also said, raising children, it's a young man's game. Um, so full, definitely full better. <laughs> yeah, I'm benefiting from that. I'm just trying to get my way through it. Um, but yeah, Fulton Sheen had such a good reflection on it. And like basically how cool it is to think of a really uh, young St. Joseph that's handsome, vibrant, striking. There's another part in the, uh, that we went through talking about how he descended from the line of kings, from the line of David. And uh, I'll just read through this part. And I'm excited for whoever's going through this to get through this. But how much more beautiful Mary and Joseph become when we see their lives uh, see in their lives what might be called the first divine romance. No human heart is moved by the love of the old for the young, but who is not moved by the love of the young for the young? In both Mary and Joseph, they were they were youth, beauty, and promise. God loves cascading cataracts and bellowing waterfalls, but he loves them better, not when they overflow and drown his flowers, but when they are harnessed and bridled to the light a city and to slake the thirst of of a child. In Joseph and Mary, we do not find one controlled waterfall and one dried up lake, but rather two youths who, before they knew the beauty of the one and the handsome strength of the other, will to surrender these things for Jesus. Leaning over the major crib of the infant Jesus, then, are not age and youth, but youth and youth, the consecration of beauty in a maid and the surrender of a strong comeliness in a man. Oof. Full and sheen, man. <laughs> it's good you don't even hear people talk I, man i just haven't heard something so poetic uh in a long time and all you need to do is read a little bit full and sheen to get that but it is really cool thing about joseph as a young man and you know actually too the thing is there's now a term in 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 the in the church a josephite marriage and that refers to exactly what we have here with mary and joseph it is a man and woman who are married but they do you know they they decide to 
remain chaste and they don't have the uh, sexual relations and they and, they, and it's not because sexual relations are bad it's not it's a good thing god has given to us people get that misunderstanding and think that that that's because that happened before the fall that was not because of our sin that's not true it is good for us to be fruitful and multiply but the idea is that joseph and mary both remained chaste and they did that for the salvation of souls that was why they did it and actually there's a guy named bartolo longo blessed bartolo longo he was considered uh, the greatest apostle of the rosary in the 19th century. He, he also he sounds was, like a Latin America baseball prospect. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but he he uh, he was once an atheist and a high, uh, like an atheist, uh, a demonic priest kind of guy. And then he converted to Catholicism and um, gave his life up to Mary. And he was promoting the... Um, he was promoting the rosary like crazy and eventually he built this great basilica in pompeii dedicated to our lady of the rosary but he was also like uh good friends with this woman uh the countess maria uh, mariana de fusco and you know they were both just so dedicated to this mission and promoting this but then people would whisper oh, you know do you think i think you know maybe bartolo and Mar mariana you know hey and so this, you know, they're and both of them are like, we're just focusing on winning souls and, and doing the rosary or whatever. And they had they were devoted to their cause, not and they weren't what is it people, you know, people whisper this kind of stuff. So literally at the suggestion of the Pope, Pope Leo the thirteenth, Bartolo Longo and the Countess Mariana decided go go ahead and get married. And they had a Josephite marriage. Because they just like that way we get, gut, gut all these silly rumors and all that talking. And like, oh, okay, okay. And they could just get back to focusing on winning souls and getting people into into Mary. And and I just I love that story. I just love that story. It's like, you know, gossip. Boy, we Catholics we know about it. It happens, brother. Josh, you want to talk about the the cocaine wine? No, Pope you Leo go the 13th. ahead. So Pope Leo the Thirteenth, one of the. Uh, Oh yeah, we're doing it, man. Hopefully, this, this is off one track, of the man. No, it's not. No, it's not. This is our time. Fun Fridays. Pope Leo XIII, one of the most productive popes of all time in terms of output for encyclicals. Uh, very famous for Rerum Novarum, I believe. Right. This is Pope Leo XIII, or is this a different one? Well, uh, yes. Uh, okay. Cool. He also did. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he anyway. He was famous for his productivity. It comes to, we come to find out he was very fond of a specific drink. I can't remember the name of it, but essentially it was yeah. wine mixed with cocaine. Right. It was coca infused <laughs> wine. And it turns out the guy was kind of like very peppy and got a lot of stuff done because he, <laughs> hey, you know, got to do what you got to do. Late I 19th mean, century, was, man. Was, that was the equivalent was of like an energy drink back in the day. Like he was probably ripping. The, uh, people don't realize this. I mean, you go to a regular drugstore in 1910 or whatever, and they'd have right on the shelf, there's heroin, there's coca, cocaine. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. And we had a little time in the Wild West. And then, then you start to realize maybe uh, we should monitor this stuff. Yeah, maybe that's not a great idea. Uh, but anyway, Josh, uh, let's let's go out of drugs and move into even more controversy. How uh, did the Holy Family, day 15. Okay, I don't know if you're ready to get into this one. A very famous passage that's read at many weddings uh, comes to mind. Uh, today, the first line of this one, today, calling a man the head 
of the family is frowned upon. Uh, God is not worried about political correctness, however. He established the family and designated that fathers be the heads of their families. Um, Erica's not on this one. So, and she, she doesn't really strike me as a, she'd actually agree with liberal. I think she would agree. Uh, Josh, why do you think this is so controversial? The the reason why people, you know, get so upset about this is because we have a distorted view of what authority means and what leadership means in our country today. And so people think, oh, what this means is that the man is the king, you know, and let the servants come to me, let the children and my wife bring me food. I'm going to sit in my lazy boy chair, watch football, give me another beer, bring me a sandwich, you know, and you are my servants. You know, you're supposed to take care of every my all my needs and wishes and desires. And, you know, that's just, I mean, are there some men that are acting and behave in that chauvinistic manner? Of course. By the way, it's also not the end of the world if a wife says, hey, can I get you a sandwich? Like, yeah, that'd, be, that'd be great. I mean, <laughs> would, it, would it kill him? Probably not. But <clears throat> Jesus Christ is king of kings. And Jesus came to serve. He washed the feet of the apostles, and he was there to serve his church. Okay? And so this idea that, oh, we have in our heads the king because we watch disney movies or whatever where the king is like sitting on the throne like got all the jewels and all the people are rushing to him to get on the best stuff and do this and do that and you know the thing about leadership is it's alone at the top that's what they say and the fact is you have to be the one that is concerned with making sure things get done and and i always think about it this way um the the Man is the head of the house, and the woman is the heart. And you know, and, and you know what? The woman's also the neck, so she can turn the head. Hey, you, you totally stole that. You stole that from my big fat Greek wedding. Don't lie. <laughs> it's not that, that there's some insight there. <laughs> the fact is, though, man is uh, man. The the man <clears throat> as the head of the house is focused on the external threats, making sure that the family is safe, that they have enough resources that they're protected, that they're taken care of. And the woman is to take care of the house and make sure that awesome power of educating and and, uh, nourishing the souls uh, of the children. So um, not that each of them does only that end of it. There's there's give and take on all this stuff. But um, ultimately, uh, as my friend said, as a man of the house, I've come to find out I make all the big decisions. And she makes, you know, all the other decisions. And I come to find out a lot of things aren't such big issues anymore. <laughs> all right. I'm going to, I'm going to read the famous, the famous passage. You'll hear this at just about every wedding you go to uh, be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives should be subordinate to their husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of his wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. He himself, the savior of the body, As the church is subordinate to Christ, so wives should be subordinate to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. And had in wait, 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 wait. wait. What does that mean? Uh, Death. I mean, yes. Yeah. Like Jesus gave up his life. That's the ultimate love. And so what this means, you know, women are like, oh, it's a sexist garbly goop. It's like the Bible is calling on husbands 
to sacrifice sacrificial love akin to Christ who gave up his life. So this idea that, you know, what more do you want? What more would a woman want than a man that would be willing, you know, love her, love his wife so much that he'd be willing to die for? Like, yeah, to it tie, sound like chauvinism to me. That sounds to tie like back to nobility. Joseph. Tie, tie it back to Joseph as well. Like Joseph uh, is the ultimate model of a sacrificial husband uh, in terms of like sacrificing maybe his own physical desires uh, for intimacy, right. sacrificing his own plan for his life. It was just he yep. was completely handed Jesus and Mary, sacrificing uh, to provide a life for them. There's another interesting part of the uh, meditation I want to get a little bit more into later, but how painful it was to Joseph, I'm sure, to not be able to provide a place for Mary to give birth to Jesus and to have to give birth in a stable. As like as a man, on a very personal level, I can completely relate to that of like the pain you feel when you're not able to provide what you think you should be able to provide for your wife is like one of right. the worst feelings ever as a man. And that's another sacrifice that Joe's had to make too, to protect his family, get them out. That's of That's how humble dodge. he was truly humiliatedly humble. Right. Right. Humility in the true sense. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to keep you know what that word comes from humility. It's the Latin word for like literally the ground. Humid. Is it humus? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah for sure. I'm going to keep rolling. Uh, husbands love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and handed himself over for her to sanctify her, cleansing her by the bath of water with the word. And he might pre present present himself to the church in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. So husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one hates his own flesh, but rather nourishes it and cherishes it even as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Quote, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak in reference to Christ and the church. In any case, each one of you should love his wife as himself, and the wife should respect her husband. Fresh out of Ephesians. And that is true. I Yeah, I, obviously I'm at a lot of weddings. Uh, Not obviously, people don't understand this. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, my wife and I are wedding photographers. Uh, we shoot a lot of weddings. So I'm like, are, you, are you crashing weddings like the, those guys in the movie or what? <laughs> yeah, I'm a wedding crasher. Uh, kind of. Uh, I crash weddings and take pictures of them. But it is always interesting to see. Uh, there's always a couple chuckles. Like I'll look into the crowd and some of these are like very Catholic weddings too. And there's always a kind of like the little uncomfortable. Like some, I'll, I'll see like husbands kind of like this silly, their wives right, a little right, bit. Right, you know, right. and it always cracks me up. Um, but I do think at most of the weddings that we're shooting, people really have an understanding for this. Um there's a real, another really cool thing about Catholic weddings. Um, there's such an anticipation and incitement for the sacrament, first off. And then two, when it's clear both parties have been like saving themselves physically for marriage. It's, there's just like an electricity. When they're intentional about it and, and, and their heart and their body, right? Totally. There's just an electricity to it. There's an excitement that builds for everyone, especially like if they haven't been living together. It's like, oh, they're going to go off into their new life together. Um, Which, by the way, by the way, this is what we don't talk about enough. Like, why do people do these weird destination weddings where we all fly everyone to like Hawaii and get married there? It's because... The wife has the, the wife to be the bride to be has to convince the husband to go along with this because from his standpoint for so many couples 
today that don't take the faith seriously, who are, maybe have no faith at all, they are already living together. They already are in, enjoying each other physically, okay? And so for them, like, what's the difference of just a piece of paper? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, <laughs> because you've, you're married in all but... Uh, it's so frustrating. So that what they have to do is they have to try to create this cataclysmic big event. It's like, yeah. do you really need to make it a big event? It could be at a small, subtle church, and they go have chicken and mashed potatoes at the night's hall afterwards. Like, and and let the life afterwards be different than the life it was before. But they're not. They're making it the same. So they have to make the event this grand thing. Yeah, so. I mean, I can speak you know, we've, we've worked a lot of weddings and I've seen the, uh, sacra sacramental excitement, the same in complete budget weddings. Like we're talking like, you know, KFC hall. Um, yeah. and then in very expensive weddings, I've seen the same sacramental. But I mean, like Tom, you and Colette are for, for the most part catering to an audience that is very serious about their wedding. Yeah, they want it to look very professional. They care a lot about the faith. They believe in the in the church's teachings on marriage, and so you're you're getting people who have very they might have a ritzier wedding or a more you know low key wedding. They still have that same. They've got the heart in the right place. Right, and I'm it's not a, trying to compare those. I'm trying yeah. to say the ones oh, that out in the general public, obviously. I you know. Yeah, I completely understand what you're saying, and like even even though like we very intentionally choose which weddings we work, we almost exclusively do Catholic weddings and we work very personally with the couples. So we're understanding where they're coming from. A lot of times people come to us and they're like, Oh, what are the most important shots? Uh, and almost always it's shot of the consecration shot of us, uh, receiving, uh, the Eucharist for the first time. Um, it's really inspiring. Like I, hopefully this is just an opportunity. Uh, they're out there. These weddings are happening for people that feel kind of discouraged, maybe go to a lot of secular weddings, some really awesome, like special families being born in front of our own eyes. Um, but to your point too, and I don't want to like tip a twilight zone. I'm just like saving for next week, but um, even down to what music is cho chosen as you're coming down the aisle, like there's people that come in, they're like, I want to come down to uh, here comes the sun or like a Disney uh, song. And I think there's a really, maybe it's well-meaning, maybe people are being deceived, but like there's a uh, an idea presented to couples when they're getting married that like everything in your wedding should be to make you most happy. That's the goal. The whole point of it is whatever you do, it doesn't matter what you do, but it should make you the happiest because this is supposed to be the happiest day of your life, which of course is like, it seems somewhat logical. And all um, centered around the mostly the bride and her vision yeah, of what is the, for sure. the, the fairy tale wedding. For sure. As opposed to it being a couple and it's as Fulton Sheen says, three to get married. Of course, because because once you understand marriage, to husband, be larger, wife, and God, when you understand marriage to be larger than yourself, and it's it's a covenant, um, it makes more sense why, like the the songs that you choose worship God, right? Instead of just like, oh, this makes me happy, I'm going to choose it. Like, there's so many intentional parts of the mass and the parts of the wedding mass that are are chosen because they're accentuating that covenant, they're accentuating God, because marriage is bigger than yourselves. But it takes a little while to get there. I think most secular people don't understand that. And I think once you see the beauty of it in person live, which I have, there's no way to go over that. But um, we do talk about the wedding of Joseph and Mary. Uh, actually, I think, I can't remember who recognized it. It's actually recognized as a holy day, um, as a feast day in, in certain parts of the church, I think. 
Um, I never even thought about and there's, that. And there's and there's uh, also artwork on it where it shows the betrothal of the Virgin. There's some really yeah. cool stuff. Yeah, I mean the the church has an understanding of this, of course. They, yeah. Well, again, humanizing Joseph, I never even thought about like what would Joseph be like on his wedding day, you know, and like what how much joy was present there. I think there was more full and sheen reflection on that. Um, but from Joseph to be from the Davidic line, they were talking about as well. Uh, Jesus legally also being from the line of David as it was prophesized because while Jesus obviously isn't was born miraculously from Mary so then therefore didn't really come from Joseph's um, DNA but on the birth certificate if it right. were obviously wink wink right he's from the house of David he's from the house of David and uh, they Matthew and Luke make a point of emphasizing that even though Jesus is not the biological son of Joseph, he is the son of Joseph by law. As such, Jesus has the legal right to be called descendant of King David. All prophesied. Um, just again, like the intricacy of the Bible uh, fulfilling the prophecies is is really, it's awesome to, to reflect on. It just kind of gives me some peace. Like, yeah, it's all coming together. <laughs> but there is, uh, there's another thing I wanted to ask you about, Josh. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, oh, defender of Christ. Okay, so... Uh, and another interesting uh, update, I guess, for this whole St. Joseph process to me. So I've started praying uh, the Litany of St. Joseph on some days in Latin. And the titles actually are slightly different. There's a couple different different uh, like, translations of, of the Latin sentences that are acceptable, but they are different than the English version. And it almost feels like I'm kind of speaking like a cool, coded, ancient language. I, I, I'm almost nervous to do it here because we're going to pray the litany here because there's probably people who like go to Latin Mass and like actually know how to pronounce all the things. And I sound like an idiot. Um, but it is kind of fun. I would definitely recommend if you haven't done it at this point, pray it in Latin. Try your best. Fumble through it. But one of the cool um, titles given in the litany of St. Joseph in Latin is Zealous Defender of Christ. And... Uh, when they talk about defender of Christ, it's talking about how Joseph also defends you, but they credit uh, him being the savior of Jesus because the, he moved the Holy Family away from Herod, who was about to come to right. kill. Um, so that title was interesting. I didn't even really know that was associated with them. But Josh, I wanted to read something, and I want not to make this too like dated, but I want to hear what comes to mind. So uh, zeal for Christ. If you are a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, you are going to be criticized, hated, ridiculed, and mocked by the world, oftentimes by your own family and friends, or sometimes political reporters that go on to MSNBC <laughs> and say that these weird Christian nationalists think their rights come from God. Um, so, I don't know, Josh, you have any, <laughs> any thoughts on the zealous angle? <laughs> like, it just feels like lately there's been a real uh, whipping up of anti-Christian animus um that i guess we should expect right this is kind of told we're gonna get this i mean it just to me it just feels like a lot of people who you know grew up and felt like christianity was all about just you know tisk 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 you can't enjoy the you know the all the bed hopping that people seem to like to do nowadays and i don't know it just doesn't seem to be these people don't seem to be altogether super happy. Like you look at people who are secular and single as opposed to people who are Christian and married. I'm not saying there are people who are Christian and single, of course. There are, I mean, there's, but I'm just saying generally look at the number and people who follow God's commandments, get married and live together have 
a much higher happiness. Um, and I just feel like the secular people lash out and I, it's like, like what, what, why are you so angry, bro? What, what's the, and I feel like they're like every movie from Hollywood for the last 70 years seems to be the same motif. It's like, Oh, the fifties were this grand decade of oppression. It was in black and white. And finally the color comes around and we could have, you know, jump from bed to bed and have, Sex, whatever you want yeah, to, sexual, and that was sexual revolution in the 60s, and yeah. that was fun. And we were rebellious and neat and cool and hip. Oh my god, snore, it's just <laughs> same old stuff. It's just I'm so stupid. I feel like the black it's like, what are the results? Are you happy? Like, you know, the no, black you get divorced, and you know, uh, reminds me too of what you were saying about like men being treated like kings because, of course, how it's uh portrayed in the 50s was like women being like absolute servants, having no rights, being miserable. Did you housewives. see some of these things about like in you know, like they it'll go on, on social media every once in a while, go viral, and it, like it here's a little article from Good Housekeeping in 1954, and it talks about a a wife and it's like when you when when he comes home make sure you have a like a cold beer and like the newspaper and and don't hassle him and don't ask him about work and don't nag him and tell him supper will be ready you know and all this stuff and women from <laughs> in the 21st century are like oh my gosh these poor repressed women this is so horrifying like this is the most degrading thing in the whole world and then you start to say well you know hold on a second there were something along the lines of 10, 15, 20 million American men who fought in World War II. I don't have the exact numbers. Don't fact check me on that. And they, and all of them had PTSD to some extent. They saw their friends and their brothers and their neighbors murdered by, you know, in war or killed in war. And war is hell. So then you come back stateside and a lot of them were suffering and there and we didn't live in the therapeutic age like you know the 50s it was not you know oh i'm having difficulty dealing with it nowadays if a veteran still a lot of veterans don't feel like you know it's very hard for a ma masculine person man to step forward and say i'm suffering on in the inside i need somebody to talk to it's very hard and in fact 22 veterans die every day from suicide because it's such a hard cross and so that's why I wear red usually on Fridays. Remember everyone deployed. I think about the brave men and women who are serving in our military. But so many men fought in, in World War II and it was so hellish. And then you come back to the United States. And so it's like, you know what? Maybe it wasn't the worst idea for to have that kind of advice. Like, because a lot of times you don't you don't want to trigger somebody and you know have them go you know, loses cool. Um, I think, you know, I think if we don't have an understanding of what that time in history was, then all these girls that are growing up in the 60s are like, gosh, mom is just a slave to, to her man because, to dad, because she feels like he's, you know, oh my gosh, you know. And so then you start to see all the baby boomer girls go from Hillary Clinton used to be, here's your fun fact. We're going to do a prop. Dude, you wouldn't let me talk about cocaine, wine, and you want to talk about Hillary Clinton fun facts? So Hillary Clinton, who did she campaign for in 1964? Barry Goldwater. It's my autographed copy of Barry Goldwater. The most conservative or you know, more libertarian than conservative, super conservative candidate for president in 1964. And Hillary Clinton was a Goldwater girl. She was supporting him. 
and go around try to convince people to vote for him. And then four years later, she's at Wellesley and along with all the other bra burning crowd and she's gone full communist. And that's because, you know, Betty Friedan, you know, writes the feminine mystique and gets women convinced that all, you know, you're, you're being oppressed by having to stay inside this house. And, and, and you have to understand it from there, the, the women that these so-called oppressed women in the fifties, they look at it like they think about what their moms and grandmothers had to do. And they're like, I have a washing machine that washes these clothes. Like, that's a godsend. Like, think of how much more time I have now instead of having to wash stuff and then, you know, by hand and then have it outside drying, you know, and how does that work in the winter? And, you know, and then then dishwashers come along and Sorry, people are like, can we, this can is we, amazing. Can we what bring happens? back to the point? I, well, women have so much more free time. And then, and, and, and all these feminists are like, oh, this is so evil. It's like, again, understand your history. Wait, how did that, how did we get here? We got the dishwashers and more time, free time for women, Hillary Clinton, uh, PTSD, the fifties, black. And yeah. White. Because the idea was this men, you know, are these like Kings that were supposed ah, to. Ah, yes. Okay. 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 And yeah. there was that 1954 or whatever it was. Good, good housekeeping or whatever. Yes, and good it was just like, Be okay. so good to your man and don't, don't nag him and have a fresh beer and have supper ready and all this stuff. And like, right. okay. I mean, in general, there's like a pendulum in life, you know, and I, I have to say the pendulum, maybe it was a little bit too much into subservient women being subservient to men in the fifties. Okay. So, um, so Josh, but now Josh, it's okay. swung so far the other way and women are today on social media. That's oh, what horrible. I talk about in Tim Carney's book. It's like you, you men only want one thing and it's gross. I'm yeah. Okay. Josh, let's, let's, let's reel it in. What is, what's the ideal then? So we just talked about like the pendulum swing in the two different directions. And I guess we did Joseph. not what it's supposed to be. Right. So, so to you living in our modern world, I'm not talking about the, the extreme one way, extreme, the other way. What is the, the model in your view for like how men should interact with their wives? Yeah. St. Joseph is the second best example of a man, how he should act. Cause of course Christ remains the number one yep. And Christ. What did Christ do for his church, his bride, the church, he offered everything he gave. He was, he, he was compassionate he would educate. He would go the extra mile. He had so much love for his bride, the church. He gave his own life for it. And Joseph, you know, uh, is exactly a, a, a mirror, a good mirror for reflection of that. Not, of course, as good as Jesus, of course, because no one can be better than the divine. But Joseph was noble, just like that. And he would so serve his bride, Mary. And yeah. that's why, in fact, in the book, he talks about this, too. Like when we start thinking about saints, he said, you know, we don't really call Mary Saint Mary. You know, we refer to our, our Blessed Mother or the, the Blessed Virgin Mary or the Blessed Mother or our Mother or the Mother of God. We don't call her just Saint Mary unless it's like a hospital or something like that. Because Saint Mary, it's like, well, wait a minute. I mean, we have Saint Anthony. We have, you know, you know, Saint George. Saint Mary, I mean, Mary deserves a title more than just Saint. And it just doesn't feel right. That's yeah. why we, we we do it as we do. But Joseph, some people don't even do Saint Joseph. They're like, it's not even good enough. They'll even use the word Lord, not as in oh, God, yeah. that was but a cool as, part. A, as an honorific title because he deserves it more than others. And, and some people say 
instead of doing Lord, they'll say good Saint Joseph. In other words, they just it's just not enough to just say Saint. I mean, this guy's awesome. And so there's an understanding um, in, in, in our theology here. We have different forms of uh, of respect, and I'm using respect in the simplest terms here. Of and and, and uh, the understanding here is that how we treat God is the word is latria, which is adoration. That's worthy of God. We adore God, right? And then Mary, at, uh, at the top of the list, more than any other saint, it's hyperdulia. It's the highest reverence, not adoration. We do not worship Mary, but we give her the highest reverence or hyperdulia, okay? And then Joseph, we give protodulia. He is the first revered, right? And then underneath that is dulia, those who are revered, the saints. And so you have all the saints here, and they're awesome, from John Paul II to, to St. Francis, and then, but you got to go up. And Joseph is, in other words, kind of like a father of all of these. He's, he's, he's a notch ahead. He is the first revered. And then Mary is, again, highest reverence. Mm -hmm. As Fulton Sheen said, you could not, you know, like, there is no, there's nothing, there's no, no creature better than Mary, because you have to think about it. God himself made Mary and, and gave her the title of mother of God. There's nothing in creation as good, as holy, and as beautiful as Mary. Nothing in creation, because of course, Jesus was not created. He always was. Okay, can I, this is the final thing that we're going to get into litany because we just talked about this and our, our friend Stephen just wrote an article about this. So your defense of Christ must be great. You should always strive to defend the person and name of Jesus Christ against all blasphemy, insult, and sacrilege. And what immediately came to mind is how casually the name of God and the name of Jesus is blasphemed in mm -hmm. modern culture, in terms of our movies, but also in conversation even with some people who maybe are like Christian residue, maybe aren't even practicing, but they'll just use it as like an exclamation or an expression of frustration. Um, I was you, guilty of the sin for many decades. Dude, you did this. Uh, you did the new thing that was recommended on the last episode because I think President Biden actually <laughs> blasphemed one of the holy names. Uh, what did you do and why did you do it? Well, he, he used the Lord's name and he used it in vain, which is in vanity or, or not with reverence. Or respect at all, and I simply made the sign of the cross, name Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and that's the that was a recommendation that we had heard from uh, from Stephen, one of our coworkers. His friend had done this as just a, as a respectful uh, reaction. I don't like to say even protest because it's not a protest. It's 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 giving the name of God its pro appropriate uh, respect. And how mighty the Jesuits have fallen. I, I get so frustrated at them these days. But they, back in the day, man, when they were on fire with God, they were the ones that were promoting the holy name of God. And, and that was added to the calendar. And, um, and, and so, you know. It even, it even reminds me of uh, in mass when the name Jesus is said, everyone bows. Um, and that was right. another suggestion, potentially. Like if you hear it even in the wrong context, just to, to bow your head silently. But it's uh, it definitely will make someone uncomfortable. <laughs> It does. That's why I think doing the actual thing would make him uncomfortable. It's like, what did you just do that for? I'm like, 
You, you said the name of my Lord, Lord, and I just, yeah. you know, every time, every knee shall bow. It's like, or, 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 or show respect by right. and across. Another part of the uh, advice was if you're talking to someone of goodwill that you have a good relationship with, you could have a good conversation about with them about like yeah. the the purpose of why you did that. Uh, maybe try to choose to not do that because of how important that name is. Um, so you could have real positive things come out of that just brief interaction. And we, and we went, went through this in a recent about. article that was put together by our co-host, uh, co-host co Erica. And uh, listen, I was raised by a sailor. Uh, I have pretty salty language. I try to do my best to be a good Catholic. I got I, I need to do better. And my wife tells me that that's true. I do need to do better. Um, but I don't take the Lord's name in vain. And if I do, I get the confession right away because I consider that, I, you know, this, I, I, here's the thing we need to understand and appreciate. If we're really, truly humble as Catholics, we have to understand that as, even as much as we might study history and understand the, you know, the, the breadth of time and, and all the different cultures and learn about them. So we're not prisoners to our own time and place, you know, that we can step outside and think a different way every once in a while. Uh, we are products of our family, of our community, of our town, of our country. And it's understandable that when we get to heaven, there's going to be some surprises and some things we didn't really, wow, I had no idea. Couldn't it be the case that there will be some sins that we didn't really even think that were that big of a deal? And they were a really big deal. And I think taking on the Lord's name in vain is one of those. It's also, by the way, I should say as a caveat to a lot of my good friends who are very conservative or Catholic or whatever, take the faith very seriously. There is actually also, is there not a chance that when we get to he he heaven, hopefully, that there will be some sins we thought were such a big deal. And they are sins and they are transgressions against God. But maybe God's like, yeah, but I think you're kind of missing some bigger ones here. And we get all, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And in fact, we should be, you know, a little bit more, keep our eye on the ball and really listen to the words of Jesus and realize, you know what, maybe I should have cared a little bit more about my neighbor, you know, and maybe, uh, you know, I shouldn't laugh at others in, in their discomfort or whatever, whatever the sin may, that we may be overlooking. Every generation, I would say, has, a, has at least a few sins that we're just whew, completely oblivious to. Yep. I'd say good advice. Uh, do you want to get into the litany of St. Joseph? Are we doing this? I don't know we're going to go back to English, I think. Oh, man. Not today. <laughs> Not today. Maybe what that'll be like a, a graduation on the last one. Uh, yeah, we got to gotta work our way up to this. Okay. <laughs> I do love Latin, though. Uh, okay. Uh, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. God, the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy on us. Holy Mary, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. Noble offspring of David, Pray for us. Light of the patriarchs. Pray for us. Spouse of the mother of God. Pray for us. Chase guardian of the virgin. Pray for us. Foster father of the son of God. Pray for us. 
Salus, Defender of Christ. Pray for us. Head of the Holy Family. Pray for us. Joseph, Most Just. Pray for us. Joseph, Most Chaste. Pray for us. Joseph, Most Prudent. Pray for us. Joseph, Most Courageous. Pray for us. Joseph, Most Obedient. Pray for us. Joseph, Most Faithful. Pray for us. Mirror of Patience. Pray for us. Lover of Poverty. Pray for us. Model of Workmen. Pray for us. Glory of Domestic Life. Pray for us. Guardian of Virgins. Pray for us. Pillar of Families. Pray for us. Comfort of the Afflicted. Pray for us. Hope of the Sick. Pray for us. Patron of the Dying. Pray for us. Terror of Demons. Pray for us. Protector of the Holy Church. Pray for us. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. He has made him Lord of his household. And prince over all his possessions. Let us pray. O God, who in your loving providence chose Blessed Joseph 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 to be the spouse of your most holy mother. mother. Grant, Grant us the us favor, favor of having, of him, having him for our, for our intercessor, intercessor in heaven, in heaven whom on earth we venerate, we venerate as our protector, you who live, you who and, live and reign forever, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Just like that. Your weekend. Just like that. Thank you for joining. This is part three. Uh, we will be doing part four next Friday. Um, for those around, the recording schedule is going to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, live. 11 a.m. Eastern time, and then we're just going to be putting it up right after. So uh, if you've enjoyed this uh, part of the podcast, uh, you can reach out. You can let us know, loopcast at catholicboat.org. You can leave us a review, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe to the YouTube if you want to hang out with us live, if you want to see more of our clips. They will be all up there. Um, Until then, hope you guys have a great weekend. We are signing off. St. Fidelis, St. Thomas More, Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace. And St. Joseph, too. Yep.